And we're back. Yeah. We have a, a very exciting topic today. <laughs> Super happy topic. About like boundaries. No. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Better than boundaries. We are going to talk about grief, but it's not the kind of grief that you think about when you hear the word grief. What would you think of if somebody said, hey, I'm going to talk about grief today. What would you assume? I would think that someone was, you're grieving a death, you know, a death of a person. Now, we do have an episode coming up about grief that's more related to like the stereotypical type of grief with a really cool author lady. I like that. I guess I don't like, but most people, when they think of grief, they only think of death. And I think grieving is so much more than that. Hi, I'm Casey, and right here beside me is Kelsey. We are licensed professional counselors, mothers, entrepreneurs, oh, and besties. We know firsthand what it's like to wake up one day and think, how in the heck did I wind up here? Through our own journeys of self-discovery, we found that joy is something that has to be pursued through internal work. Now we are on a mission to help women from all walks of life understand themselves more so they can have real lasting joy. Join us every Thursday to hear fun and insightful interviews with experts who can point you toward self-discovery and fulfillment. We grieve ourselves and you can talk a little bit more about that. Well, yeah, that's is what's so interesting is up until just a couple of years ago, I never realized that grief meant more than just a death of a person. Or, you know, an animal or, or basically a death. I started having feelings, you know. <laughs> One of my therapists that I went to, you know, it's so cliche. You're like, feel your feelings. <laughs> oh, my God. I hate that stuff. Um, it's true, though. Yeah, I know. And then you. So I already had a little bit of experience with feeling feelings because of you and you, how you like to feel your feelings. And I'm just thinking, like, who wants to feel their feelings? Like, I don't, I don't get it at all. I don't understand it. But I was in therapy with this one therapist and he kept saying that, like, you, you just need to like feel that, just feel those feelings. And so when I started practicing feeling the feelings, I recognized new ones that I never really had been able to put a name on. What did you name them or did you identify? Well, I think they were feelings of grief. Hmm. Yeah, so our listeners are, already know this, and when the book comes out, they'll read it, and they'll really understand more about what we're talking about. It'll come full circle for them, but I think for what I experienced with, of what I thought was grief came during this journey of self-discovery, kind of like what Nate was talking about on the podcast. Like, I was... um remembering different versions of myself, starting back with the inner child version, that little kid version, and really giving myself the permission to think about that again. You were talking in the car the other day about croquet. <laughs> croquet. <laughs> I think it's pronounced croquet. <laughs> croquet. Kind of like the thing in your mouth is your gum. Your goom. That is, not, that is not how I say it, yes, but it Casey is. likes to give me a hard time. Well, anyway, you were talking or, you know, people in the car were talking about croquet. And I just like I remembered spending that time with my grandparents out in the backyard playing croquet and like the things that I would get so excited about and watching my grandma like 
hit the shit out of her foot with a mallet <laughs> because she never wore shoes and she didn't have very good aim and just little things like that about how just kind of like carefree I was when I was little during certain parts of my childhood and how different I felt now. I think there was just little parts in that timeline of my life that I felt grief. Well, and I think too, when you start taking a look at your life, when you're on this self-discovery journey, you're also looking to find a lot of self-awareness. And when you're doing that and you're like, going in the past, you're like, oh, there is that little girl. There's the little girl that, you know, like to do art. I was just talking the other day about actually last night, Casey's oldest went to go. She wanted to draw and she hasn't drawn in a while. I thought that was strange because she used to draw all the time. And I think when we start like looking back at our past, there's these little pieces of ourselves, much like parts work, inner child, my favorite that I like to refer to as the pissed off teenager, but there are parts of ourselves. And a lot of times in the here and the now, we're not even thinking about who that little girl was or what brought them joy. But when we do, that's when we start to grieve ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we were just up in Wisconsin. The first time I've ever been there, that was not winter. <laughs> so it was very different and very green. But while we were up there, your parents have like a little, you all call it a trolley. I've never heard it called a trolley. It's like a, not a four-wheeler, but not a golf cart, but like a car. <laughs> it's called something specifically. We just call it a trolley. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, we we were riding on that and just like going for these drives. And you know that I like to do that. But I was just sitting there thinking, this is the most relaxed and in the moment you're going to find me here because this is what is familiar. It lights up that central nervous system that brings you back to the the pleasant memories of the things that I love to do. And some, you know, we don't do that anymore. Like that's a big part of me just being able to go for a drive that I haven't had in a long time. Yeah. But anyway, like, so just grieving, grieving things like that. I think back on different phases of my life and I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm so embarrassed, you know, all the stupid things you do and, and, but all the good things you do as well. But that's, that's not who you are anymore. What piece of yourself, like writing this book and on this journey of self-discovery, did you grieve the most? Mm. I mean, for me, I, I'm just wired to not accept failure very well. And so I think the one of the biggest parts that I had to grieve was previous relationships that didn't work and why like I had this preconceived notion that they needed to. Yeah. Or like it would even be a failure if they didn't. I don't know. I used to be so dead set on like, I just have to do everything right. You know, like I want, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to do the wrong thing. I don't want to give anyone a reason to be disappointed in me, to perceive me as a failure, you know, to do all these things. And so I think looking back on that person who I was for a pretty long period of time, I really have grieved that a lot because that person is still a part of me, but that's not who I am. And I don't think that's ever who I was. 
I was just trying to meet these expectations that I had set for myself all the while neglecting my own needs and my own wants and feelings. And it didn't get me anywhere other, you know, like, I mean, it helped me make money, but like, it didn't get me anywhere emotionally. It didn't get me anywhere on a friendship level. I consider myself to have more healthy, well-rounded friendships now, better quality friendships now with the person that I am today versus the person that I used to be. When you start grieving, this is kind of a trick question, but when you start to feel the, those emotions, feeling the feelings of grief, what do you do with them? Or like, how can we let our listeners know something that they can do to... Well, you're asking the wrong freaking person that question. I mean, I'll tell you what I do, and then you can tell me. Okay. Well, before I answer that, though, (laughs) (laughs) as I was talking, I thought of something else. So the relationships were definitely a big part of grief. And I think that that's pretty common for people in general. Like, let's say that you're married, okay? And it's a husband-wife marriage, and let's say you're you're the wife in the marriage, and and the husband is does a lot of really bad things. You know, just imagine your top five things that a husband could do wrong. Let's just say he did all of those things. And ultimately, you, d- you decide to end the marriage. Either you decide or he decides. It doesn't really matter. I think you're still going to grieve that. You're going to grieve that divorce. You're going to grieve that person that you were in that divorce. You're still going to have... Like, it sucks. It's like, man, that was a long time in my life that I just gave away. But when you ask what my biggest one was, I think the thing that I continue to grieve, and I probably always will grieve, is the dynamics within my family. Because, you know, whether I like it or not, there's always going to be that connection, not only just communication-wise connection, but, like, it's your DNA. Like, I mean, you are tied to these people, you were bringing out different patterns and characteristics and all of these other things, whether you know it or mean to or not. So I think another big part of my grief was just like, why did it have to be so effed up? Like, why do people act the way they do? And they're supposed to be your family and they're supposed to be there for you and blah, blah, blah. And then they're not. So I think that that's been an ongoing. Like kind of grieving missed opportunities or missing. Mm hmm. You talked about in a previous episode, looking at you were sitting in a church pew and you were looking at these families and you were like, you didn't say it like this, but you were almost grieving what you didn't have. But for the future, you were hoping that's what you could have. Right. Back then, I don't think that I was actually grieving that. I don't think I maybe I was. I just didn't realize it yet. But it was more of like, this is what I need to feel Mm -hmm. happy. I don't know. I think more of my grief comes from. You know, just instances that I've had in the past, like with my grandparents or my mom or my dad or my my siblings. So, yeah, a lot of it's missed opportunity. A lot of it, you know me. I don't know if you would agree with this or not, but (laughs) I mean, I can get really ticked off at people and I can set a boundary and say, you are not welcome in my life anymore. I'm not a grudge holder, though. I don't like to carry that weight around with me. I don't like to remember it. Like, I don't. I don't look at a certain family member every time I see them and think, well, you did this to me seven years ago. And so I'm just going to pretend like you don't exist. I just don't do that. A lot of people in my family do. I guess part of that, too, is grief that there's really nothing I can do about it. 
it just is what it is sometimes. And grieving the things that I knew I had with my grandparents, my kids are never going to have that. So I think there's a lot of grief that comes in, in with my own children as well. I think for me, it's the past versions of myself involving friendships or relationships, not really intimate relationships, because I believe that all works out the way it needs to work out, but friendships, questioning if the person I was back then is a better version than the person of myself now. Mm -hmm. And this kind of answers the question that I already asked Casey, but for me, I'm constantly questioning that and I'm constantly like, wow, like I got a couple friends, but you know, they're like dollar bills instead of pennies. Um, What's that mean? You know, like you have fewer of them. I have fewer friends, but they're worth, worth more. more. Oh, okay. See what okay. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, all my friends out there, you're not just worth a dollar. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sell you to the highest bidder. Yeah. Highest bidder. I do got some pennies out there, but. I don't know what I was saying before dollars and pennies. I know what you're saying. So you're wondering if you, like, have I done anything wrong? Like, is it my fault that I have fewer friends now than I used to? And it kind of trickles into guilt. Like, Mm -hmm. is it my fault? Or I'm trying to not place blame somewhere, but I'm analyzing, is the version of myself better than the version of myself then? Well, do you think the version of yourself now versus the version of yourself then plays a different role and has a different purpose. Yeah. And I know I've had conversations with you. The people that have been friends in my past, I wish them well, right? I wish them all of the goodness, but I don't have space for them in my life because their future doesn't align with my future. That's a boundary, honey. Right, right. So that was where I was going with your question is, you know, we've talked about self-love, we talked about boundaries, right? Self-love trickles into boundaries. Boundaries trickles into like the self-awareness piece. And the self-awareness piece trickles into accountability for ourselves and for the people in our lives. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I grieve that. I think that. But then when I take a step back and I look at self-love, boundaries, uh, self-awareness, accountability, I can really see the full picture mm-hmm. of past and present. And future. Like, do they hold that space in my life? Mm-hmm. That's where my head goes when I think of grieving my old self. You've heard me say this before. I know you have because you stalked me before we were together and listened to all my podcasts. <laughs> I did not stalk you. <laughs> I did listen to your podcast, though. Yeah. But I've talked about this before, and I always get it wrong. This brings me back to a time when I used to go to church I was pretty, like, I was very dedicated to church. I was there every single Sunday. I volunteered, you know, all of the things. I took notepads and, like, took notes at church. And just so our viewers know, or listeners, we went to the same church but didn't even know each other. And sat right behind. You sat right behind me. Yeah. Stalker. (laughs) (laughs) Had no clue who you were. But he, one day he was talking about, and you all know, when you hear this episode, please put it in the comments because... There's a, it's a, there's a name for it, but like the, that power of five, have you heard of that? So he was, you know, of course, like preacher, like giving his sermon and getting on people all, you know, riled up and, you know, it was like, let's take a moment and look around at your life and think about the five people that you are the closest to the five, your five closest friends. And 
that was a really, that was a turning point time in my life because my friends and I, we were not going down a positive road. Like we were, we were bad. We had a lot of fun, but like it wasn't leading us anywhere positive. And so on my fingers, I was like counting the five. And I just remember sitting there thinking, oh no, like if my future is going to be a combination of their present lives, then we have a problem. It's almost like, well, I had to set some boundaries and I didn't participate in as many of the things that they were doing. And, you know, it just kind of happened on its own. They they started excluding me from all the stuff that they did. I no longer had those five best friends, which I had to grieve because that like those were really the only people that I associated and with. And even though you're deliberately making that decision, like, right, you, you have this awakening while you're sitting in church, even though you have that, there's still a piece of you that always feels like it's your fault. Yeah, I definitely felt like it was my fault. And for in that situation, it wasn't like, I was saying, hey, I don't want to be friends with you all. I was just saying, hey, I can't party every night. Like, I can't, I, I can't go to this level because I'm trying to better I, yourself. Yeah. Like, I want a different future. There's no way. And, and that's so true because I look at where I am right now and there is no way I would be in this position if I would have stayed on that track. Not that they were bad people, not that. We just had two totally separate directions we needed to go. How much did you love yourself in that period of time? Uh, <laughs> not much. Like, I I really didn't have any self-respect. I didn't have any self-esteem. So when you were talking earlier about your situation, in my head, I was thinking, for me, I was like living in this survival mode. Yeah, I mean, I was obviously living and I wasn't dying or anything like that. And I had enough food and I had enough shelter and I had enough things to survive. But like, I wasn't out here looking to better myself as a human being. Like, I wasn't doing soul searching. I wasn't. Do you feel like you were on autopilot? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, whatever. Whatever's going to get me through this day so that I don't have to think about the misery that I'm really feeling. Well, and self-love without self-awareness, it's useless, right? Like you might have, lo- have loved pieces of yourself. I don't think you can truly love yourself without self-awareness. No. It's like, how do you know what to love? How do you know who you are? And so you sit down in church and you like, you take a look around and you're like, what am I doing? And a lot of times we talk about like that turning point. Well, in in bringing it back around to grief also, I really believed and I was raised like this. So I don't know about you, but I mean, my grandma and (laughs) like there's been situations where my mom has said stuff like this to me and my dad. No, I don't think my dad has really said it, but my grandpa, I thought that I was basically being punished like Mm -hmm. God or the universe or something was just punishing me for not living the way I needed to live. And so at that time, like, I really thought, well, I'm going to have to, <laughs> I'm going to have to, like, be better. Shame and guilt. Yeah. Well, that's how we're raised to believe, like, you said something to Oakland the other day, and I was like, Kelsey, and you were kidding, and I was kidding, but it was like, I can't remember now, but it was something like, it was a shame thing. It was like, well, if you do this, then something's going to happen. Oh, is going to happen to you. It was very, <laughs> Yeah. 
you were like, Kelsey. And I'm like, well, I really didn't mean it. She knew I was joking. I know. But that that's what, yeah. like, that. those are the things that I heard all the time growing mm-hmm. up. And so for the longest time, and I still kind of believe, like, you have to put good out into the world and you have to do things without contingencies. And I totally believe that. But I also don't think we're punished like I thought we were. Well, and if you believe that, and this can be a whole episode on its own, if that is how you were conditioned as a child, there is so much trauma that comes from that and shame and guilt. And it carries out through your adulthood. And it's literally for some people that I know and I've had conversations with, it's like inescapable. It like follows them. They uh-uh, think every 100%. time that they do something wrong, they are punished or it's like yeah. doomsday. Uh-huh. And then when they're calm, mm-hmm. right? They're just waiting. They're not calm because they're like, something bad is going to happen. Uh, that was my entire life until, I don't know how long ago, but that's what I believed. That's a really good point because I remember back when I started my group practice in 2015, I still believed that. And I couldn't even enjoy the present. Like, I could not enjoy a moment because I thought, okay, you know, something bad is getting ready to happen because it, it literally always did. I mean, something every time everything was going great, something always happened. And it took me a long time to get out of that headspace and, and that mindset. But duh, something bad's going to happen. It's life. Like, and so now bad stuff happens all the time. And I, I just really am conscious of not falling back into that trap of, well, I deserve that because I told Kelsey she was a brat the other day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, we're so, I mean, karma. Think about karma. And, you know, I know that there is a lot of spiritual belief around karma and stuff like that. But karma is such a overused term. Like, oh, karma will get them. That's just a way to like band-aid whatever somebody's going through. But that's how we live is we think that karma is going to get us. And what we have coming to us is the guilt and shame that we deserve. Mm-hmm. I just said that this morning. I mean, I'm, I am I say that and I think that sometimes too. Well, it's like, <laughs> it's just like one of those statements that people use regularly that we don't really think about. Like, bless her heart. We do that all the time too. Bless. <laughs> bless. But yeah, I, I think we use the word karma too much. And if you pair karma with religious trauma, uh, shame and guilt, all of that. That seems really awful mm-hmm. that people have to live in that. It's me. I'm the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we need to do an episode because as we're talking about this, I'm just thinking when I say this out loud, I'm going to have a very small handful of people texting me, giving me pure hell over what I'm getting ready to say. But oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I still am one of those people because of shame and guilt. Let's say something happens, okay? Let's say like you and I are in an argument and it doesn't resolve quickly and I'm just really dysregulated. I'm whatever. (laughs) Like I just need someone to talk to about it. I still don't call anyone. Sometimes like I'll pick up the phone and I just look at it. And of course I have a couple people I could call, but I'm just like, I mean, they got kids. (laughs) They have families. They have businesses. Like they don't want to hear my bullshit. Well, that's a lot. Yeah. I know one person who's going to call you up and be like, you know what? I know that it's irrational and that it's not true. And that's what friends do. But like when you were talking about your friends, 
I don't want to inconvenience anyone. And that is how I was programmed. Like, do not be an inconvenience. I will sit and starve to not be an inconvenience. I will hold my bladder (laughs) to not be an inconvenience. I will pretty much do whatever I need to do to to kind of go under the radar. But I think that's kind of counterintuitive for what you actually want, because it makes the perception of your friends. They think she's busy Mm -hmm. and she doesn't need us. And, you know, not saying that they think that, but like that's how you make a deeper connection than just regular old surface level. Mm -hmm. And you you as well as listeners are worthy of taking up that space. But you also have to have friends and some people, you know, might not have types of friends in the phase of life they're in right now that have the space to hold for their big emotions or big feelings or big things. Well, Nate said it the best. A friendship is actually one of the most selfish acts. Mm -hmm. And that's true. But it's not like you just take, take, take. You give too. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think you miss out on opportunities if you don't take those opportunities when you do need to talk to somebody or talk through something. And I've seen you lean into that a couple of times, like messaging Tara Mm -hmm. for just some like insight. Am I being ridiculous right now? Yeah. Yeah, I have. I've reached out to Tara. I've reached out to Brooke. Like, hey, am I thinking about this really wrong? And I remember the time whenever I I was talking to Brooke about an issue. (laughs) And Brooke was like, uh, yeah, you're being ridiculous. <laughs> I was like, okay. okay. Well, and a lot of times we think that, that it's going to be a far left or a far right. But when you're really communicating with somebody who's on the same wavelength as you, they ride in the middle, right? And not right in the middle of like... Wishy-washy. Wishy-washy. No, that's not what I'm saying. Like, I cut my friend straight. Sabra, for instance. I will cut her straight. Like, I'll say, you're being ridiculous. But then I also will, like, give her some validation and, oh, like, I see what you're saying. But could your former friends or the friends that used to hold a lot of space in your life, could they do that for you now? Hell no. I was a people pleaser. <laughs> see? I mean, you were yeah. you were serving them. And when you needed them to return the favor, you saw who they really were. Right. And there's probably a part of me in that that was kind of selfish because at that point in time, I needed... Wait, why couldn't you have come around like when you were still a people pleaser? Because <laughs> I'm not anymore. That would make this so much easier. Um, I still have moments, but it was kind of selfish because I needed somebody... I'll tell you what. I have learned how to serve people in my life. Like Francine. I take care of Francine. I help her, right? That's my people pleasing. I generated my people pleasing from friendships where, you know, I I was the only one with a job and I was doing all of these things. And, you know, I was running them from point A to point B. I took all of that energy and I put it into something that I don't even think you could put money on. I I would never put money on Francine. She is like the best thing ever. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? Like, I put the energy that I put into my friends, into my family my daughter, Francine, people that are really close to me that deserve that energy. So stop like putting a little bit of energy here and a little bit of energy here and just what what's going to align with my future? Yeah. You know, not putting all of your eggs in one basket, but like doubling down a little bit. I think you almost have to do that and you have to find a balance. You know, like Nate was talking about finding those friends that can serve you when there's a, a part of you that has an unmet need. That will help keep you balanced. And grief, 
I think goes, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just, my point with grief is, is just that I think we should embrace it more, like embrace grief over our evolution. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Over, over the way that we're changing. Because, you know, if people, if someone sat down and have had a conversation with me today that I had not seen in 15 years or spoken to, they probably would not, it would not be recognizable. But the ironic thing, I think, would also be that Nate, where we hadn't spoken since high school, we had both almost come back full circle to who we used to be when we were a kid. Yeah. And so it didn't feel like, who is this person? It felt like, oh, like we were just sitting back in art class again. Because our path toward self-discovery and joy led us back to who we really were. Yeah. And we were who we really were in high school and younger. It's just interesting. So, I mean, of course, there are things that I did in high school that is not who I am now. But it's the core. Mm -hmm. It's the core of, of your being. Mm -hmm. You both do a pretty good job at knowing who you are to the core, mm -hmm. which makes sense of why it come around full circle for you. And why when you're sitting there having coffee or he was sitting up in the conference room that it was just like you guys haven't skipped a beat. Yeah, it was it was strange. And, and I think if we allow ourselves to think back to that. For me, it's not like high school was like the greatest thing ever. Like, I don't even, I would never <laughs> do it again. But I wrote poetry. I wrote short stories. I participated in essay contests. I built whatever it's called, the Walt Disney World castles. That Well, and you had de determination, but also you had joy. Yeah. We talk all the time about overfunctioning, but maybe instead of overfunctioning, function towards things that bring you joy. Mm -hmm. And more so, I know that this was about grief, but acknowledging those parts of yourself because they can bring you back to where you need to be. That's a wrap. Later, besties. If you're enjoying our podcast and would like to hear more from us, leave us a review wherever you get your podcast so we can keep making great content. Talk to you later, besties.